0: Thank you. RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org.
1: Welcome to Closing the Distance. Uh, my name is Lindsay Slocum. I'm one of the uh, associate pastors here at Russell Presbyterian Church, and I have the pleasure and benefit of getting to talk t- to our senior pastor, Jeff Myers, about his fabulous sermon yesterday. Um, it was really it was really good. We actually had a ton of conversation as a family um, last night talking about it, so I very much appreciate your sermon yesterday.
0: Well, thank you. I'm honored that uh, it would be a topic <laughs> of conversation at the Slocum household. Oh.
1: It, it, it was quite a topic uh, and partly for the reasons you and I actually were just discussing right before we hopped on when we were talking about your sermon and we were talking about how you were highlighting. Um, you, you referenced a rapper who had gotten addicted to opioids and, and the impact that the opioids had to his uh, GI system. So now, yeah. of course, in a family of boys, we we highlighted that conversation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's just so funny. It is uh, The rapper's Gucci name for folks who maybe didn't hear. And, you know, in his autobiography, he goes on at length about his GI system (laughs) and the impact, uh, you know, the the Lean had. And, you know, Lean is really popular in the rap community and it's really affected the way the music sounds. So it's, you know, slurred speech, um, kind of the trap beats. Um, It's really interesting. And so, and I think like, you know, I, I don't think I've talked about it that much, but we have, you know, an opioid crisis in America. And Mm. so one of the things I wanted to hopefully, I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's kind of not funny at all. Oh, of Um, course, of course. So, you know, that, that somebody can get clean, that somebody can kick, uh, can be, do, you know, daily, um, you know, coding for, for 10 years, and then make a decision to, to, to quit and and change their lives and change their family's life and their their wife's their spouse's life their kids life their community's life and i think it's a really inspiring um story that of how he did that and i think you know most of us don't think of rappers probably uh, we have a stereotype probably against them and maybe you know their drug use or whatever and so i think it's a cool story and now he's like this spokesman for healthy clean living and um it was just, its really funny. So <laughs>
1: I, did, I did hear John Perry, um, reference after hearing your sermon, he said that Gucci Mane's like the Gwyneth Paltrow of the rap world now. Cause he like, repping, repping the healthy lifestyle. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's so funny. And it's why like Gucci's wife, she has like detox, um, drinks that you can buy and stuff. And it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny, but You know, it's wildlife. And I just figured, you know, not a lot of RPC folks, probably are huge Gucci Mane fans, So they wanted to be educated, know what's going on out there. And so honestly, you know, I've preached a a version of that sermon before, and I've used the Keith Richards um, taking his heroin habit as a story uh, in that place. And it's really remarkable that both Keith, Keith Richards and Gucci Mane, different eras, different kinds of music, but getting clean. And um, kicking their drug habit is—they're both very similar, and it—it it comes down to you, you had enough, mm-hmm. and th- that's it. And things have got to change. And so I think it was mm-hmm. real, hopefully maybe it can be inspiring to somebody um, that that does need to make those changes in their lives.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know the other thing too as you're talking. I'm thinking through. So yesterday's sermon just to kind of. Um, Remind everybody, we're working through this animated sermon series where we're looking at different Disney movies and and how the proverbs connect to them and the kind of things that we learn when we look at those. And yesterday we looked at Finding Nemo, and you talked a ton about risk and taking risk. And I think that what that illustration about Gucci Mane, what it did so beautifully, was really highlight this. So we're called to take this risk to to kind of stick our neck out, or that that's my phrase, not yours, but this, you know, to, to go out and call to live a certain way. And I think what the Gucci main example does is really highlight how much work goes into that and the discipline. And, and it's not just to like decide one day and then we're here, but just kind of constant discipline and journey. There's a journey to it where you're kind of, because I'm sure that he, you know, was constantly being tempted to come back, or this would be easier if I just go back to how things were before, but there's a whole, process and lifestyle behind that that you're constantly being called to.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I, risk comes in so many different ways for different people. And I think if you're not willing to take risks, you as a human being, you never grow
1: mm-hmm. and you're
0: stagnant and, and there's no excitement. There's no feeling of fulfilling something. And I think for me in my life, I've really had I'm kind of a conservative person by nature. Um, and and I think I've had to learn to take risks um relationally, uh, career-wise, spiritually, like to do stuff that's uncomfortable, that I don't know if I'm gonna be good at, I don't know if I'm gonna be successful. Um, and that but stepping out there in faith and challenging myself has led to inner transformation and mm. um and really I think a more exciting enjoyable life uh uh for myself and hopefully for my you know immediate uh relationships
1: okay so that actually raises my, my biggest kind of question takeaway from yesterday so you you talked about your kind of your opening and closing example you were talking about weddings and you were talking about the risk it is to marry somebody and um and in my own personal life, I've shared this story before. So I was engaged to my college boyfriend. And it was not a super healthy relationship. I knew that. I knew that before we got engaged. I knew I knew it all the time. <laughs> I, I knew lots of time it wasn't a good situation. And yet I persevered. Um so the I knew he was gonna propose and the day before I was gonna go visit him and when I knew when I got there he's gonna propose, like I could just tell it was coming. And I can tell you that the night before I left to go visit him, I sat in my room and I was praying and I kept saying, I don't know if this is the right thing. If this isn't the right thing, God, I need you to close the door. Do it for me. Stop it for me. Because I, I don't know if I can, I don't know how to make this decision if it's right or not. By the way, God did not stop it. So we got engaged. <laughs> and then I moved to Atlanta and my worldview expanded. And all of a sudden, I understood that like, you don't have to get married right out of college and there's other people and the world is bigger than I understood it to be before. But all that to say for me personally, that was such a powerful example, but it did make me wonder how, when you're this idea of risk-taking, how do you faithfully assess, should I take this risk or not? Like, cause God doesn't always just make it stop so that you don't, don't step somewhere you shouldn't step. You know what I mean? So what it what does it look like then to really faithfully kind of assess the risk?
0: Well, I think it kind of I think there's several different lenses we have to look through. I think for one thing, we have to say, what's the risk reward? You know, are my risking mm-hmm. something small? Is it a small risk? Where if I do this and I fail, then that's fine. Now, taking a risk getting married, that's that's a pretty significant risk that's gonna impact the rest of your life. You want to have thought through it so. Now, I know people that have not thought through it and it's worked out fine. And I know people that haven't thought through it and it worked out horribly. <laughs> okay? But, but if it's a small risk, then I don't think you need, maybe need to think um, about it as much. Uh, you know, maybe like uh, as much as you might. So maybe like, you know, if I'm gonna buy an article of clothing that I that I may not wear, I, I bought this horror, horrendous shirt. I was on Instagram and it got, it got, it got advertised to me, and I was like, oh, this is, it's like leopard print, it's,
1: (laughs) it's insane, and I, I I need you to please wear that, I bought it,
0: it's like silk, it's like silk leopard print, it's, it's, no, I see it, it's right, it's eye level in my closet, I see it every day, and I'm like, what were you thinking, and it wasn't inexpensive, and so, but it's one of those things I bought, and then like, Three days later, it shows up and I was like, did I buy something? And I'm like, open it. I'm like, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> and it's like, I can't resell it. No one's going to buy this thing from me. Okay. That was a stupid, and my wife's just like, what an idiot. But that, I, I took a risk and I was wrong, whatever. But mm-hmm. it was a small risk, so I don't really beat myself up about it. But these big risks, um, you know, career kind, career kind of questions, uh, relationship kinds of questions. Um, you want to, I think it's important to think through. So how do we think through? I think it's important to think, to know yourself, okay? Mm-hmm. So you can mm-hmm. be honest about yourself, about to, if this is a good risk to take. Your friends and family, the people who care about you, that know you well, that can help you with your blind spots. Some of us are so self-deluded that we think a risk is a good risk and everybody else like this. this is really dumb. So you mentioned being engaged. I was engaged in college and I had several friends come to me. I remember they're like, dude, this is not, this, this is not a good idea. Like you're 22. You have no business getting married. This is, I know you've been friends for a long time. You you think you got so much tied up there. There are other fish in the sea. But I was like plowing straight ahead until, you know, several months later, I'm like, yeah, this is a bad idea. <laughs> and right. so, and so I think you need those friends to to help you with these kinds of decisions and with your blind spots. And then I think, um, and then I think it's good to have principles like: is this in line with the values you have for your life? Um, you know, does does this is this kind of track with your journey? And then I think, and then I think sometimes you just have to step out in faith, and sometimes mm-hmm. you might be wrong, and sometimes, you know, sometimes you buy the shirt that you shouldn't have bought, and you're just like. No. <laughs> I know this for for the future.
1: (laughs) You know what's so fascinating about what you just said that I'm like, holy cow. So essentially what you just laid out also kind of lines up with what we believe theologically as good reformed theologians about how to interpret scripture, right? So that you're not just off like making things up, that we look at the community of believers. We look at the the tradition around it. We look at the trajectory of scripture and like what are the kind of standards that scripture set. So, so much of what, I I mean, everything about what you just said about how we discern in our own lives and how we interpret what's best in our own lives are the same, very same things that we apply when we're looking at scripture as well.
0: Absolutely. I think that's really true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) well, my friends didn't stop me um, until later, (laughs) until later. Although I do think uh, as we're thinking about this kind of assessing risk, I do think part of it is Um, are and you said this too but being willing to be open to it because I wasn't in the beginning I wasn't I remember my mom saying like I mean I don't know if he's the best for you Um, but it was much later when I was in a very different place and and my understanding of the world had changed a little bit and um, and a friend of mine in seminary gave me permission to think about things differently and that's when I was like oh (laughs) let's look at this this is not a good idea I don't know why we got here
0: and uh, yeah, it's it, it's important to have those people in your life. That, uh, I know some people that have like a kind of like almost an informal council of friends that they'll yes. convene of three or four. I think this is uh, popping in the Quaker tradition. You know, three or four folks that they'll come before and say, "I have this decision to make. Is this mm-hmm. is this a good idea? Does this ask me questions to help me interrogate my soul to see if this is mm-hmm. a good risk to be taking?" Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think like you know, before I came to RPC, you know, I talked to churches, um, various, you know, jobs across time. And, you know, I was like, well, is this the risk to take? Is this the time to make the jump? Is this, and, you know, I kind of deferred, deferred. And then when RPC, it was like, this is a, this is a big jump. (laughs) The Delta difference between what I was doing and, and, you know, being head of staff, uh, you know, senior pastor, all this preaching all the time and all this. It's like, okay, let's, Lord, let's see if this is gonna work. <laughs> and six and a half years later, I'm still here, so it's, working. Just, it's working.
1: It's working. <laughs> it's working. Great. <laughs> Great. Yeah, but but at the same time, the beauty of the proverb that you chose yesterday, uh, the whole uh, that you're not ever, you know, when the risk does fail, or when we, I don't know, when we don't accomplish what we thought we were gonna accomplish or what we were hoping to accomplish, that we've got this God that lifts us back up again and um and that i thought that was kind of the beauty of having um communion yesterday too is this kind of reminder of the grace that we is extended to us when the risk doesn't work out right so when i do get engaged to this guy and should we have gotten married or whatever like grace is still like it doesn't mean all is for naught and i have to just give up now but there's there's grace and that comes out of that as well
0: Absolutely. absolutely and i love that image you know, of raising up, you know, because we believe God raised Jesus Christ from the dead,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I mean, I think the ultimate risk, all, all, in the end, unless Jesus comes back, we're all going to die, and mm-hmm. um, do we have hope in light of the our risks coming to an end in death, and then God raising us up, um, you know, in resurrection? I think is really uh, a really beautiful way to kind of frame. Um, our spiritual existence and, and lives.
1: Yes. And I, okay. So speaking about that, when I was taking notes yesterday, i I wrote down there was, it's a quote that I bet you'll, I bet you'll know, but you know, I never can remember who says it, but that there's some theologian that says that something about that, the beauty of the grace of the gospel is that the worst thing that can ever happen to you won't be the last thing that happens to you or something to that effect? Have you heard that quote before? Yeah, it's not a Beekner quote. It's um. That sounds right. Yeah, it's
0: how does it go? It's um, death is not is not the final word. It's always the next to last word or something like that.
1: Hmm. Yeah, something like that. But I guess I just. It, it, i thought about that quote a lot during your sermon this idea that even should we take a risk and it doesn't go the way we want it to it, you know we there's something much better that's not our ultimate end that there's this the grace and love of jesus that's yeah pulling us back up
0: yeah and i yeah. think i don't know about you but like how many risks that you've taken do you regret taking like even the ones that you've you failed you've fallen it didn't go well I learned mm. a lot from it and I'm, yes. a, I'm a fuller, uh, larger, more loving um, person, more gracious in, in failing. And, and I think when I look back at my life and I think, gee, geez, Jeff, you should have taken some more risks. Like you, you played it safe some. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I always remember, and I, I, I can't remember if I've told the story at RPC in a while, but I know I've told staff or whatever but I remember you know I was at this wedding as a little kid and and there was this there was a wedding reception there was a band playing and there was this cute little girl dancing in the middle of the dance floor or whatever and my dad's like go ask her to dance and I was like no 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 it's go ask her to dance I said no no too shy like you know and my dad's like if you don't ask her to dance you're going to regret it for the rest of your life and you know, it was very dramatic. but like, <laughs> like that is kind of like, you regret not doing things. And even mm-hmm. if it, even if she said no, even if it was, at least I did it, at least I was in, yes. the game, you know? I, <laughs> yes. think like, I think so many people think of Christian faith, I think, really um, as a place of safety, of, yeah. of keeping us away from failure, problems, um, trouble. And no, I think it shows us how we can we can take risks and we can trust that God will raise us up even mm-hmm. when we fail. And that we mm-hmm. have a faith that pushes us to become, uh, what did James Baldwin say, you know, more loving, uh, more faithful, bigger people. And and by bigger, I mean um more into who God has created and called us to be. Mm-hmm. And I think we can do that by stepping out and taking risks. Another mm-hmm. word for risk might be we could. A synonym might be faith in some ways
1: absolutely absolutely well and to that point remember at the end of the movie that i'm switching back to the nemo movie um around might not have been at the end but at some point the dad fish is talking to this friend that they've met along the way dory and he's telling dory he's he's so upset because he promised his son he wouldn't let anything happen to him and dory said why in the world would you promise someone that you, that you wouldn't let anything happen because because certainly we grow from the places where it doesn't work out like we wanted to, um and we're better, bigger, better, stronger, whatever. But also, when it does work out, like the beauty and the amazing things that we get to enjoy when things do go well, and which I think is what she was the do, the Dory fish was highlighting for us in that movie as well, too. That there's so many gifts that come when we take the risk, like you're talking yeah, absolutely. about.
0: Absolutely, yeah. That, that movie's just you know, and when I. Did the research of uh, Andrew Stanton, the writer and director behind the movie, and his Mm -hmm. own kind of wrestling with being a parent. You know, I'm a young, Mm. I I have young kids, so I'm like, I'm kind of late to the party and like asking and wrestling with these questions of like, Mm -hmm. how do I protect my kids? Um, How do I keep them safe? Should we just stay? Should we just stay in our little room and that's padded all day? And right, uh, is it okay for them to go out? Like, and what and what kind of risks will I allow them to take? You know,
1: right. Right
0: go down the big slide, you know,
1: <laughs>
0: you know, yes, you know, do I let them jump off the you know the diving board when they're maybe not as great swimmers as I wish they were. You know, and these right. kinds of questions, I think are just they're so palpable, and the anxiety that comes with them um, is just really interesting. So i I, I found it really fascinating to kind of think about, reflect on
1: you know, I read an article. A little while ago, that was talking about for parents that we, me in particular, this is why I was so drawn to this article that we are doing so much for our kids, partly in an effort to protect them because this is such a dangerous world, and um, partly because we are trying to make their lives easier so that they can't accomplish more. But we do all of this stuff for them, and because we're doing it for them, they don't learn. Not only they don't learn how to do it by themselves, but they don't develop that confidence that comes from knowing I can do this. I, I can jump off the diving board or I can, you know, make sure that my clothes are clean and folded and put away. They don't develop that confidence. And then therefore that impacts who they are. And so, you know, kind of back to all these things that we're talking about, how important that is just kind of working that muscle of being able to take a, a thought, thought out risk, but take that risk and learn from it and grow from it and, and being able to be stronger and more capable
0: yeah yeah and take like t- take classes they're gonna i remember when my wife said this um i'd never read william faulkner well i re- in college i read like one of william faulkner's books and i didn't get it you know i was like he <laughs> doesn't doesn't use any punctuation. these run on i thought this is bad writing you know they're very complicated and it's really difficult to read and i remember i was like nah and then what, what's the um What's the, what's the, what's the, you have? anyway and she was like why would you want to read something that's easy why wouldn't you want to challenge yourself and i was mm. like i was like huh that's a really good question okay let's let's, yeah. let's read it. um and i learned a lot and it really pushed me to like have to pay attention have to like go go oh my gosh my mind's been wandering i go back three pages but like and you think about like music i like to listen to well some music you know it's it's really simple but do i like push myself to listen to something new um you know for me a lot of times that's listening to hip hop music or or you know certain stuff that i normally wouldn't be attracted to but am i willing to stretch myself and ask um ask myself what why do people like this why is it why is it beautiful i read this great book called um by Ben Ratliff, he used to be the music writer, jazz critic for the New York Times, and it's called, I think, Every Song Ever. And basically, he he explores everything from like Sly and the Family Stone to like death metal, <laughs> which oh. is just like, you know, and everything in between. And he says, and he, each chapter deals with it, like one of my favorite chapters was the James Brown chapter, but it was like, mm-hmm. why do people like this? why do they find it excellent why do they think it's beautiful even like this like unlistenable new metal death metal kind of stuff black music and and um and i found it really helpful and like you got to take some risks even aesthetically about you know movies that maybe aren't aren't just totally apparent so like what's going on i know a lot of people love like david lynch they're like Woolhall and drive that's a crazy movie what's going on and it takes you it takes time and you have to grow as a viewer and as an artist to pay attention and i think that risks can come in all sorts of uh, ways like that
1: mhm mhm mm-hmm. yeah okay I, yeah several of those things that you just talked about i don't know so i'm going to have to go look them up i have i have not expanded my repertoire well, well enough yet to be familiar yeah, so i'll look them up
0: <laughs> You're taking your risks in your own way
1: <laughs> i am i am So this the Finding is our last sermon in this sermon series. We spent all summer kind of looking through and I will tell you, I will be the first to admit I was very um, unsure how this sermon series was going to go, but it's been really interesting and I think it's brought out lots of really cool things. So I'm just wondering, as you're thinking back now over the summer and the various sermons, I'm just wondering what kind of things stuck out to you? What do you feel like you learned or what were highlights for you?
0: Well, um, I mean, one of the highlights was just being able to like introduce a lot of these movies to our son. You know, he's like four and a half, five. So he's mm-hmm. just, he's there, like, you know, to sit and watch Toy Story with him it was really fun. And he's like, oh, Buzz Lightyear, you know, <laughs> it's just like, like that, just the, watching his imagination kind of yeah. open has been really exciting. I think I was, I wasn't doubtful, but I was like, I was taking a risk, right? You know, you set out this, this this plan, and then you're like, I hope this is going to make sense <laughs> to somebody else <laughs> other than me. And I think it was really, I found it really interesting how there were these writers and directors of these movies are making children's kids movies, quote unquote, but yet mm-hmm. they apply to life. And I think and how they um, help us understand our lives and challenge us in ways that I was kind of surprised um, that they they fit so well with the Proverbs. And so I was, mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised. And I, hope, and I hope like through the practice of all of the these sermons that people, when they do watch movies, whether they're kids' movies or adult movies, can start reading these movies theologically to yes. say, okay, what is this telling us about the human experience? Yes. What, you know, what, how can this, not just as a form of entertainment, but as a form of education, as a form of cultivating wisdom about my life, um, that we can, it was kind of a practice that folks can help use in their own lives through their own, um,
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and the beauty of it too, was that it appealed to so many, such a wide age range. And so, you know, should I have had young kids, it gives me a way to kind of talk theologically with young kids or, um, you know, teenagers and, and even my mom, uh, she listened to one of them and she's like, Oh, I've got to go back and listen to all of them. Because, you Know she grew up well, I was growing up with all these movies, and so she was seeing them too. And she's like, This is really interesting. So, well,
0: I'm glad she liked it. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was fun. And, um, it was fun. You know, we went, What did we watch last week? We talked, I talked to Chad Ikoff, who did you know, Elf Story of Elf on the Shelf. And we were just talking about like, We went and we really watched the original 101 Dalmatians. Oh, yeah, Lola and I And it was like amazing how well it holds up, you know. 16 years yes.
1: Whatever. it's yes it's really interesting a total side note just fun fact that i heard yesterday so you know the barbie movie which we probably could do a whole series of podcasts on the barbie movie but you know it's just resonated with all, all these people just with the nostalgia of growing up with barbie and so mattel apparently has a list of like 20 different toys that they're planning to make movies about because they've made so much money off the barbie movie. so yes. so there might be a, a mattel servant series in our future as we look at
0: yeah, they're that like that's a huge move in the um film industry is that they're it's like they're writing movies about like products
1: yeah so it's like one yeah. giant commercial
0: <laughs>
1: it's, I don't know. It, it's gonna yeah it'll be interesting to see how they're gonna well, do gonna a, a movie, about movie about the rock and sock and, and toys find
0: a way to survive because <laughs> yeah. you know they've been in trouble after covid and all that that's true between, between barbie and oppenheimer neither of which i've seen um unfortunately but um hopefully.
1: i did i did see the barbie movie i haven't seen oppenheimer although i would like to um but i of course had to go opening weekend and wear a lot of pink and yeah that's like right see now, the barbie uh, movie yeah 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 you know, like, it i have so many thoughts on the barbie movie too so after you watch it then we need i want to discuss it because i I love that so many thoughts yeah 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 good okay well if we finished up uh animated what's our next sermon series what do we look forward to this week so
0: so the next sermon series is nutrition facts and we're looking at uh the fruit of the spirit there are nine kind of facets of the fruit of the spirit that paul talks about in galatians love joy peace patience kindness etc and so this Sunday we'll focus in on love. We're going to look at First Corinthians thirteen, and mm-hmm. kind of um, you know I think our culture has like kind of one definition of love, and I want to make an argument. I think that that's kind of parasitic on the Christian idea of love, and there's some really unique um, kind of understandings of what love is uh, and what it's not. And so mm-hmm. we're going to look at that on Sunday. But the general idea is is not that these qualities, love, joy, peace, patience, et cetera, are things that we strive for, because they're very hard to cultivate. Um, Be more joyful. Try hard to be joyful. You know, it's like, I'm sad. I'm depressed. How can I? I can't, right? Um, So rather, what we're going to do is we're going to look at what are the nutritional values uh, of the spirit in our lives that we need to focus in on to think about, cultivate, that lead to flourishing, that lead to these mm-hmm. fruit bearing fruit um, that come out as love, joy, peace, patience, et cetera. So uh again, this is a little risky. Uh I haven't totally figured it all out in my head, but that's kind of my hunch. And so it's gonna be fun okay. to explore each of these nine um facets of the fruit of the spirit.
1: Okay, good. Well, we'll look forward to it. And also this coming Sunday, um uh, we have our kickoff so um starting well we'll start it at 11 for anybody who goes to an earlier service but there'll be food trucks there's a bounce house there's a dunk tank um all kinds of exciting stuff going on on the front lawn um but um right immediately following the ten forty-five and the 11 o'clock services we do have a congregational meeting to hear a report from our associate pastor nominating committee they are bringing a candidate forward for the congregation to vote on so we're very excited about that as well
0: I think gonna be awesome. Uh, yeah. Lindsay we got exciting times awesome here at Roswell Presbyterian Church.
1: Lots of good stuff going on. So thanks for this conversation today. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thanks Lindsay. Uh a great conversation. And let's do it again sometime.
1: <laughs> we will, we will. Have a good day.
0: Alright, you two. See you soon. Thanks. Bye.